It is Locked On Jazz, a midday live edition on the 26th of April. After the Jazz get blown out in a pivotal game five, and all of us wonder what has possibly happened to our Utah Jazz and why is this series seemingly feel overdone and horrendous. Okay, we'll try to do it together. We'll try to explain what's happened to the Utah Jazz. We'll console and maybe we'll even scream. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. But um bum 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 pow. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a jazz fan each and every day. And that's really the purpose of today's show. I can dig in. I've got some numbers. I've got some explanations. I've not rewatched all of it. Um, but really just to spend time together as a group, as we frankly have now had to have our second therapy session of this playoff series. And last night we'll see crazier things have happened, but last night certainly felt like an end of this season and frankly felt like an end of a lot more than that for this team at this point, after all of its struggles, all of its scars, all of its pains, um, to be down 33, uh, without really any excuse for it. Like, we don't have an injury. We don't have anything. We just got blown out in a pivotal game five in a night where we couldn't make a shot uh, against the Dallas Mavericks in a playoff matchup that was vital. Um, The biggest picture, I would say, just two, two big picture comments to start. One is, and I probably have more than two. So let's go with three. Let's go with three. One is all like heartache, frustration, emotion, ang- fandom that this brings to us. This is kind of why we're fans. Yeah, I'm with you. Like maddening. Ron Boone called it embarrassing. Thurl Bailey, athlete in Ron Boone and Thurl Bailey last night after the game were so perturbed. I was almost like mesmerized by the story, frankly, which is kind of a weird one. But like how this has happened, what's happened, how it's evolved, how things that felt like they were heading in such a great direction feel the opposite. Like kind of mesmerizing actually to me a little bit. I'll admit like that, like that's where I was talking to Holly about that afterwards, like kind of the storytellers in us. The athletes were like perturbed. So all of emotions and everything around it, I think are, are all fair. Um, Here's my big picture take. Throughout the year, I kept asking all of the people that came in that were champions at some point in their career what they learned from the failures prior to the championship. And the comment that was made by almost everyone was that those failures brought the group together, hardened them as a group, made them give up their personal agendas, made them unite as a group to go forward and understand how they had to be bonded with a togetherness to move forward and win a championship. Now, all of the people I asked, this was my flaws as a reporter, 
All of the people I asked actually eventually won a championship. I should have asked a bunch of people who were on teams that didn't for a better perspective. And what is clear is that the scars and failures of years past of this Utah Jazz group has not brought them together, has not unified them, has not in any way, nothing's happened to the group to make them deal with some of their weaknesses. They as as not in any way propelled them forward with some strength, but it has done the opposite. It has given them doubt and weaknesses and divisions and fissures, and that seemingly feels as though it's tearing the entire foundation down. That's that's how it feels. There's an accumulation of a multitude of items that have gotten us to this day. And then we'll probably, it feels as though on Friday we'll actually do the funeral, right? Like, you know, our beloved, our beloved friend is like, we're talking about how it once was today, I think, and how it's happened and so sudden. And then I think, you know, we'll feel like the funeral's Friday. We'll see. Maybe not. Hard to imagine, right? Like, let's be honest. But crazier things have happened. Home crowd, credible vibe, maybe. And Dallas, you know, was in total control of their playoff series a year ago. But right now, so so let me stop there. Third thing, if you're shooting at one individual player right now, you have an agenda. You're welcome to, but just admit it. Like if you're going after one guy in this group of jazz players, be it Quinn Snyder, Justin Zanuck, Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Royce O'Neal, Rudy Gobert, Boyan Bogdanovich, Dennis Lindsay, Ryan Smith, Gail Miller, I don't know, just like add in anyone. Kevin O'Connor, like I don't care. If you're going after one person, you have an agenda. That's fine. You're welcome to have the agenda, but just admit it. Admit it like that you want to bury that person individually for that purpose. Because this is not a one person item. There are things we can look at and we have to be, I think we have to be at least, at least I feel as though we should be cognizant as we talk about this, that the, When we talk about the fact that Jalen Brunson is manhandling Mike Conley, that's a piece of the puzzle. That when we talk about the fact that Donovan Mitchell has been completely stymied by Dorian Finney-Smith and we can't get Donovan going, that needs to be a piece of the puzzle. The one that's interesting to me is I brought up fatigue as the number one thing that I thought would be the issue for game four, five. And it was. The Jazz expended so much energy in game four to win that they had absolutely nothing in the tank for game five. I mean, the shooting has to be that explanation. And Bogey clearly was on no legs after giving an unbelievable yeoman's effort. Unbelievable. The 
the specifically to the game for a minute. So those are the big picture. Those are my big picture things. I'll, I'll get your comments, your thoughts, those your questions here in a second. We'll, we'll, we'll we're gonna. It certainly feels as though we're gonna walk up to game six. We'll do game, and then you know it feels as though we're gonna be like digesting this for a while here together. Um. So, to sum it up, the the last thing from a big picture standpoint that is just really, I think, the most surprising thing of the series, and maybe it's just this series, but if you went to the Denver, Dallas Mavericks right now and said, hey, by the way, the Jazz are folding, and you can have their entire roster, who would you put into their rotation? How many players that we're playing make Dallas's rotation right now? Like, Dallas looks more talented than Utah right now. Out on the floor. Which I don't think we expected when the series started. I don't, I think, I think we understood they had the best player. Like, Luke is on a different class. There's three or four or five of those guys in the NBA. Luke is a totally different piece. And... Like, our young kid is trying to be a star. He not Luca. Like, that's different. Like, that kid's done it at every step of every process. I mean, the, the track record, if you don't know the Luca track record, it's incredible. And you can see it. He's whatever years old, 23 years old right now. He's going to have some bumps in the road. But the kid breaks into the international scene at 12 and wins the MVP of the European U14 league. And you, he goes to the under 13 leagues. He scores 54 points, 11 rebounds and 10 assists in the finals at 13. After that performance, he's at 12, that was in the under 13. So at 12, he does that at 13. He signs as a pro at 15. He's the MVP of the U18 league at 16. He plays for Real Madrid at 18. He wins the Euro league MVP at 18, he wins the 2017 Eurobasket Championship. He makes his Olympic debut by dropping 48. He makes his NBA playoff debut by dropping 42. Like, he's on a different level. We don't have that. We were trying to do it collectively with systems and style and uniqueness in how we were playing and a juice, collective juice, and the system's not working. There's no collective juice. And the togetherness that needed to happen from the past scars has done the opposite. It's all, it's it's a bummer. All right. Next, the one most glaring thing to me of the whole series, a few numbers, and then your comments. Uh, today's show on a, what day of the week is it? Tuesday. That means it's a Murdoch Hyundai Tuesday. Uh, thanks very much for our friends over at Murdoch Hyundai who bring you today's podcast. Uh, I'm driving the Kona right now. It's fun. Uh, bumped into a guy at, can't remember his name, apologize. He and his uh, mom, his mom actually lived in Texas and flew out for the um, ball game the other day. Uh, met them before the um, before the game and they were telling me how they bought a Kona and love it. I uh, totally understand why. Driving the Kona right now, it's great. As I've told you before, we own two of the Santa Fe's in our house because when it's time to get the kids out driving, um, they weren't good drivers. So we went with the 
most economical, most safety features we could get. And that was the Hyundai Santa Fe. The Elantra was named a North American Car of the Year. So if you want to head down to Murdoch Hyundai and check out any of the cars out there, feel free to email me first. They're in Linden, they're in Logan, and they're in uh, in Murray at 4646 South State Street. So please feel free to uh, send me an email at dlock09 at gmail.com and I'll set you up uh, with a meeting so that you can have a VIP experience over at Murdoch Hyundai. Today's show is also brought to you by Prize Picks. Uh, if you're looking for the daily fantasy option for the NBA, then you need to try the award-winning app Prize Picks. It's daily fantasy made easy. You pick two to five players over under on the projections and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. Use the award-winning app, both at the App Store and at Google Play. It's Prize Picks. And here, this is pretty great. For a limited time, Prize Picks has an exclusive no-brainer offer for all of our users. You get $50 for free if a player in your first Prize Pick entry scores a single point, but you must use the code NBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available to Locked On fans. Sign up today and use the code NBA for $50 for free if a player in your first Prize Picks entry scores a single point. Uh, If you're an NFL Draft fan, we will be live Thursday with the NFL Draft. But in the meantime, the ultimate mock draft is up and available for you. Make sure you grab that six-episode binge. Listen, it's really pretty terrific. All right, let me jump into a few numbers here um, just to kind of tell a story. Our offensive rating in the first quarter of games in this series, 93 Uh, By the way, if you're not comfortable and no offensive rating, we were the best in the league at about 118. Our first quarter, 93, 102, 86, 106, and 80. And obviously we lose the 93, the 86, and the 80. I mean, just those are horrendous numbers. 93, 102, 86, 106, and 80 offensive ratings in the opening quarter of each game. We are getting manhandled, would probably be the best way to say it, on some of our matchups. Point guard matchup, which we are now trying to mismatch and not have matched up. When Mike Conley is guarding Jalen Brunson in the series, Jalen Brunson has shot 9 of 15 from the floor. When Mike Conley is got the ball and Jalen Brunson is on defense. Mike Conley is 0 for 9 for the series. 0 for 8, excuse me. Uh, didn't add in Brunson's like 7 of 8 from the free throw line and shooting fouls. Donovan Mitchell is 14 of 48 shooting when guarded by Dorian Finney-Smith. This is not new. We told you this was coming when the series started that the Mavericks' ability to guard Donovan with Dorian Finney-Smith was significant. Finney-Smith, this year during the regular season, Donovan shot 6 of 19. The year before, he shot 2 of 7. So coming in, Donovan was 8 of 26. So Donovan is now 22 over the last two years. Donovan is now 22 of his last 74 against Dorian Finney-Smith, and he is six, I'm doing the math as we speak, of 32 from three. 
That's our best offensive player. They have an answer for him. That's our second best offensive player, and they have an answer for him. They're also switching everything, which means the pick and roll has not been great. The pick and roll, frankly, has not been great since March. The number one pick and roll combination in the NBA up to like March 1 was Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert coming out of that COVID and stuff. They did not reconnect and have not been great since. Jordan Clarkson has been terrific in this series. One-on-one, hard playing. Going after it. It's been great. We had three-point shots yesterday. We made three three three-point shots yesterday. They were from Juancho Hernan Gomez, in order, Daniel House, Juancho Hernan Gomez, and Royce O'Neal. Now, Dallas is good. They're the third best team in the league, I believe, at denying the three from the above the break. And the fifth best team, they're the fifth best team in the league at denying the above the break three. They only allow 25% of shots. They're the third best team in the league at defending. Generally thought to be a little bit of luck. The, the case in point here is that the Jazz just have not been able to get that going at all. Um don't know what other numbers I have for you. The last comment I have for you on the game is the bizarre part of the game to me is the Jazz open the game and they can't hit anything. Most of the shots other than two by Donovan are good shots. Donovan trying to get himself going kind of forces a few off the bounce shots to, to try to get himself going. And the Jazz can't make a shot and they're down 18 to nine getting doubled up. By the end of the quarter, they're actually right back in it at 24 to 18. And then they cut it to 30 to 28. Jalen Brunson misses a shot. They get an offensive rebound. Reggie Bullock misses a shot. They get an offensive rebound. And they get a third offensive rebound. They hit a three. 33-28. And they bring in Hassan Whiteside. They bring in Donovan Mitchell. They bring in Boyan Bogdanovich. The game is still close. And then I, I don't know what happens. We get a nice Donovan Mitchell steal off a bad pass by Doncic, but we turn it right back over. Donovan commits back-to-back turnovers. Then Boyan turns it over. Clarkson makes a shot. Clarkson makes another shot. We cannot get stops at this point. Clarkson misses. Donovan misses a three. Boyan misses a three. And next thing you know, we're down 11, and Rudy comes back in. Rudy does the weird offensive goaltending play. Now Mike Conley comes in for Jordan, and next thing you know, it is 49-3. It is 52 to 32 and the night is over. It's like it all ended right there. And it's weird because I actually felt while calling the game that the jazz had endured what was going to be brutal and then didn't. And then Luca goes bananas. He was incredible, but that's what Luke, I mean, he's incredible. That's that was the task at hand. All right, let's go to some of your questions. Do you think given he's healthy, Trent Forrest would be a key in the last two games, put three-point shooters around him and Rudy and let him go downhill and he can guard Brunson? He would probably help. Um, You know, we're losing that point guard matchup pretty badly. Um, I like Trent Forrest an awful lot. I think it's a testament to where the Jazz are right now that we're looking at Trent Forrest and thinking, like, 
Trent Forrest could really help us. Now, Trent Forrest is really much better than people realize. And against the switching defense, he's a really good penetrator. And if he particularly gets going to his right hand, he's going to be great. I was interested to watch him in a playoff where teams knew his preferences. Like they can look at synergy and look at the numbers the same way I can and know what and watch film. Um, and so I was pretty, pretty curious to see what would happen um, with him. Um, and I think that that's, um, you know, I think that's, it. I don't know. So, yeah, hey, I think it's a great comment, fair. At the same time, I think, you know, it's a little bit of testament. Matthews, imagine if we had been able to get Chris Paul instead of Mike Conley. I mean, the question on the Mike Conley thing, and and Mike Conley was, you know, really the right, we tried to get Mike Conley, remember, at the trade deadline, and, and Memphis wanted an extra draft pick, and we wouldn't give it to him, and then I think we ended up giving it to him to get Mike Conley four, five months later. The only interesting one on Mike Conley is, and I've never really looked at this, is like what else was available that offseason other than Mike Conley? At the trade deadline, Mike Conley was the choice, rightfully so, because like that's what was available. Teams were willing to move. I, I don't actually remember what else. The only thing I know is that Drew Holiday moved November coming off, so probably 16 months later. That's a long time in the basketball life. So I don't know that you could have wedged him out. And then Chris Paul moved what, 16 months after that or 16 months. So all, I, I think hard to say that in that time frame after Donovan's coming off the tough series against Houston and we really feel like we need somebody else to help with ball handling and point guard that there could be somebody else. Now, it's interesting in this series, by the way, 6-1 in the playoffs right now, 6-1 guards are having a really tough series across the board. Like this is pretty interesting to me. Pull-up shooting in the playoffs. So off the bounce, three-point shooting, which is if you're 6-1, what you live by. Donovan Mitchell has taken the most. He's 5 of 27. Trey Young has taken the second most, or tied with Donovan. He's 3 of 27. Chris Paul's 7 of 20. He's 6-1. Jalen Brunson is 6 of 18, 33%. Fred Van Vliet is 6-1. He's 5 of 17. Or was. They're done. Oh, no, they're still alive. Others, Mike Conley's four of 10. He was the second best in the NBA during the regular season. So it's interesting to me that 6-1 guards are having a little bit of a tough time in the playoffs right now, other than Jalen Brunson. So if you look at the guys taking the most shots, Jalen Brunson's been great. Um, I mean, he's been great. He's at 48% for the field and 35% from three. He's been super Averaging 26 points a game on 22 shots. He hasn't been, like, unbelievable. Donovan's shooting 38% and 19% from three. Uh, Kyrie Irving shot 44 and 38. Chris Paul's shooting 50 and 33. He's Chris Paul. Others, Trey Young is shooting 35% and 21% from three. Uh, Monty Morris played pretty well. He shot 51 and 45 with nine shots, 10 shots a game. Not, not nearly the same amount. Um, but average 14 points a game. So there aren't many six, one guards that we're talking about. Um, but it does feel as though size in the playoffs has become D'Angelo Russell, who is probably six, two is shooting 31% in the playoffs and 38% from three. Patrick Beverly shooting 43 and 33. 
I'm doing this off the top, just kind of running down the list of leading scores in the NBA playoffs right now. Um, so Tyus Jones is shooting 48 and 64. Good for Tyus Jones. And Mike Conley is shooting 32% and 21% from three. I mean, that's, you know, something maybe there. If you uh, <clears throat> don't have your jazz, so you still need to, or the Jazz are winding down, you still need to stay engaged with the playoffs, then maybe the answer is betonline.net. It's your number one source for all betting stats and sports information. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and start on Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sport wagering information from line to playoffs to NFL draft. You can actually get involved. Head to the website today and use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Big games tonight. Well, as basketball fans, can we get over our, like, I'm with you. I'm like totally bummed. Like I said to my wife today, like this, you know, again, I said this earlier this week, like people's lives are on the line here and, and people I really like and enjoy and are and close with. And I think it's going to impact, you know, it could impact lives. Like people's lives aren't better when they lose playoff series. So it's, you know, I think there's some of that for me, but I'm like kind of, you know, down on the dumps. Um, and I try not to do that, but I, I came home today and admitted to my wife, like, just know I'm kind of depressed um, from this. Um, Memphis is a six point favorite in their pivotal game five today against Minnesota. Phoenix is a six and a half point favorite against New Orleans in their pivotal uh, game five. Toronto is only a one point dog for what gets to be a really interesting game to see if Doc Rivers blows another series lead. That would be wild. It's all at betonline.net. Hello to all the Maverick fans that are out there. We appreciate you stopping by and helping our numbers. Nick and Isaac have a massive audience and huge show, so we appreciate you um, stopping by. Um, We've turned into complete trash, says Christopher Martin. Like, how did we do this? How did we go from contender to mediocre? I think it's effort. Have to have changes. Quinn, Royce, Mike all have to go. All right. And then what? Let me point out one thing about the Dallas Mavericks and the Utah Jazz. Just for perspective, this is probably not going to help you any, but I just think it's important. I think these are two of the better franchises in the NBA. Maybe Dallas and Utah are two of the better franchises in the NBA. Dallas probably has a larger market advantage. Okay. Since Dallas got Dirk, and he was their star in the year 2000, They had one of the greatest players of all time. They went to the conference finals with Dirk three times. Conference finals since the year 2000 in 22 seasons. One of the better franchises in the NBA has been to the conference finals three times. They've won a first round series, I believe, I'm doing this off the top of my head, six times. They have not won a first-round series since the year 2011. And the last playoff series the Dallas Mavericks won was the NBA Finals against the Miami Heat. Wait, no, they lost that series. Who did Dallas beat? LeBron? Who did Dallas beat in 2011? No, Miami Heat. Yeah. Dirk, Dirk, Dirk gets him. 
Okay. So they've not won a playoff series since the finals of 2011. The Utah Jazz, who are a model franchise of the NBA, have been wildly successful for a small market, done amazing things, have been to the conference finals once since 1998. So 2000, same thing, once. We have won different years since 2000. In 22 years, we've won a playoff series. Six. My point on this is these are two of the better franchises in the NBA. Winning in this league is colossally hard. Crazy colossally hard. So I'm, I get the frustration and going down 33 in game five sucks. But like, I don't think we're trash. I'm not sure I totally buy the like, you have to blow the whole damn thing up. Like, are we flawed? Sure. Are some of our pieces not having a good series? Yes. Do we have some problems? Yes. Should Were there some things that never have gotten addressed? Yes. Is there some things coaching-wise that Quinn needs to do better? Yes. Do players need to play better? Yes. But, like, complete trash. And, like, this God-given right that you're supposed to be winning playoff series and advancing is actually not true in this league. Like, it's brutally hard. I'll take some more questions and I'll wrap with my biggest, my biggest one. Um, it certainly isn't just one. The biggest issue is no heart. The side issues are Royce isn't good. He isn't a starter quality player in the NBA and any other team he doesn't play. The way he's playing right now, that might be true. Like, I don't think he plays for Dallas. I'm not going to like, like something I've said this, like, it's just something off. Like he's just, or, or he got old really fast, which would be really strange. Um, there's so many comments coming in. I'm having a hard time. Luca being on a rookie deal until next year is a huge deal because, yep, yeah, you're right. And they're going to have a hard time re-signing Jalen Brunson. That's all front office again. Too many eggs in the Conley basket. Tony Bradley, Doke. We lucked out with Bogey that we weren't we were going to sign Miritich. We would have gotten eaten up. We're too damn small. Okay? We were going to sign Miritich. We got Bogey. That turned out to be great. I think we have four guys we will be playing in the rotation. Conley, Don, Bogey, and Rudy. Two and maybe three start for them. Don, Rudy, and maybe Bogey. Three for 30 from three was an all-time worst performance. Wrong side of the history books. Right. And there's a large level to this. Like, we went three of 30 from three. Like, we had a terrible shooting day. Like, an abnormally bad shooting day. Maybe, I said, I wrapped yesterday's show by saying, the way this is going to work is that somebody's going to have a superstar game and somebody's going to have a great shooting game. And if the same team has both, they win the series. But someone's going to have, like, and really, frankly, the Jazz need to have, the Dallas has already had their great shooting game. We just happen to have the miserable shooting game, which we certainly didn't expect. So that's a big deal. MRI on Donovan Mitchell's left hamstring came back negative, but the guard status for Thursday's game six won't be updated until Wednesday. The exact wording on the Jazz press release is testing on his left hamstring results were negative, has a bilateral quadriceps contusions and will continue treatment. His status for game six will be updated on Wednesday. 
So good news there. You know, we were despondent after three. We exaltation after four, despondent after five. Maybe we're going to be delirious after six with a hope for seven. It doesn't, last night didn't make you feel that way, right? Like, you know, I do sometimes feel like I'm the one person who like hasn't been told the, like I was in a conversation with uh, Chuck Cooperstein, who's the Mavericks voice before game five last night with a national NBA person. And we're both standing there and the guy looks, good friend of mine too, like great dude, covers national. And he literally looks at Chuck and says, Hope I get to see you in the second round. And I was like, hey, like, tied 2-2. What about me? And it was like, I walked away going like, wow, is this like that obvious to everyone but me? Like, at the end of the night, that was what I was thinking. Like, did they all see this coming and I didn't? And I felt like, like it's kind of crazy. Um, all right. Um, here's the biggest thing to me. And I, you know, I don't know what you do about it. And it might just be teams in a different state. And it might be, I've been told it's the Boban factor, and I've been told it's the Luca factor, and I've been told it's the Theo Pinson factor, is watch the two benches the whole game. The Mavericks bench is standing the entire game. If you spend $1,000 to have a seat in the second row behind the Maverick bench, you are so pissed because you cannot see the game. They're standing the entire game. Theo Kinson's out at midcourt. He looks like a fan. It's just like wearing regular clothes because there's no like dress code anymore. So he looks like a fan, like who's just come in and partied with them and like hanging out. And Mark Cuban standing in there in that group and they're standing the entire game meeting their team at half court and our bench is sitting. And when Mike Conley checked out of the first time out, I don't even think anybody dapped him. Like that is... I'm a numbers guy and I'm a everything else, but that right there is like the textural item that's most evident to me watching this series. All right. It is locked on jazz. I don't know if that was a worthwhile therapy session for us all. We'll talk more tomorrow. I'll rewatch the game, try to dig in a little bit, take some more of your questions, try to run through the comments on YouTube. Please leave a comment conversation, have more discussion on this. Um, throw me your questions. I'll go through the YouTube comments today and uh, grab them for tomorrow. And then I think we'll cross over with Isaac and Nick for Thursday. I don't know why or what I want to talk to them about. Um, who knows? Thanks to all the Maverick fans who stopped by. It's been a fun series from a social team aspect of things. Nick and Isaac are great. So this is Locked on Jazz, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. If you're an NFL fan, make your second listen, the ultimate mock draft. If you're an NBA fan, go hassle Locked on Mavericks in their chat room. See you.